Welcome back to Insurance Happy Hour. This is Larry. And I'm Becky. So, Becky, you, I, I did listen to your podcast with Olivia Schmidt last week. Yep. It was pretty good. Thanks. It was it was fun. I, I It was really fun. I, I listened back to it and was like, oh, that was just a really fun conversation, getting to talk about a lot of different things. Yeah. It, well, one of the things I noticed about it, she has a very well done open. Yes. Better than ours. <laughs> well, hold on. Ours is ours is just straight cold open. I mean, it's just straight up goes like, "Welcome back to Insurance Happy Hour." This is Larry, and I'm Becky. Exactly, and it's just it's no, just kind of like hit jumps rewind through. by accident. Yeah, exactly. But I kind of like the the organic. But then I listen to that, and I'm like, "Well, that's really professional and <laughs> stuff like that." <laughs> We're not professionals. Is that what you're saying? No, no, we are not professionals. We're but just yeah. two goofballs with two mics. <laughs> uh, and also, I, I did hear that uh, I've been a positive influence in your in your career. Like that which was in- to you. Oh, no, it's interesting because I think the only thing I'm actually positively influencing is uh, the bottom lines of uh, distilleries. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of that, I, I always struggle to see if I actually am a positive influence out there in the world. But uh, There might be some who go, you're a negative influence. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I think... <laughs> You know, I, I'm one of those people that are, I'm a change agent. I, I I thrive off of chaos and change, and I, I believe that you know the status quo always needs to be um, challenged. Challenged, yeah. I was just really thinking about that. Of like, how how did you how how would I put that? But yeah, I, I definitely challenge the status quo, and it's a comfortable spot for me. And I. Well, I, I don't like to always play contrarian or, or just be negative for negative sake. I, I think that it's always good. And I think it's bringing really good value to every conversation, to a business, to friendships and whatnot. If you can have a, uh, you know, conflict every once in a while. So yeah. And you talked about the conflict there as well. So. I did. That was, that was something that, that I think I've always known to a certain extent, but you've certainly brought to the forefront of my mind in the last year or so is that healthy conflict is actually a good thing. Yeah. And and the other part of that episode that just found intriguing is, boy, you like to talk. Oh, see, now in our podcast, <laughs> I don't talk as much because there's somebody else who's hogging all the time. I, I do not know what you are talking about. Uh-huh. Becky. Yeah, you do. <laughs> You know exactly what I'm talking about. Should you know, if someone more. actually, if someone to actually like analyze all of our episodes and time how long I talk versus how long you talk, I bet you're going to be way more than me. Oh, I bet you'd be 80, 80, 20. <laughs> I talk a little bit more than 20% of the time. <laughs> Thank you very much. I don't know. I, I do look at the, the, the volume line on the graph as we're recording and I'm looking at it and it's like for long periods, Becky's got this light straight line. And all of a sudden it's like, yep. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I do like winding you up and just letting you go because you just rant and it's super entertaining <laughs> for me anyway. Yeah, and-, I, and, and, and people that have actually seen me rant, live where i don't know that it's being recorded like if if you do it live 
it's a lot more entertaining because then you actually see the mannerisms and the and the because yeah, I get frustrated. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, but, I know. But yeah, it, it's it's interesting to see different podcasts and and how they do it. And she's got a very well polished uh, podcast and, and the opening and I, I all the the openings for all the the other podcasts that you listen to. They're like this, you know, you know, kind of a inspirational rockin', you, you know, a little upbeat beat tempo. And she comes on. Hey, you're listening to this is this is you don't know Schmidt. It's very like pro, and I'm like, damn it. But then I thought about it, I'm like, I don't know. Uh, what, would, we? what would we do? I mean, uh, this podcast is all over the place. We couldn't have a single intro. <laughs> well, I but but what what I was questioning before is I listened to the her intro like five or six times because I was I was thinking about it. Is what is the goal of this podcast? Of our podcast? Correct. We've we've talked about this before in a previous episode, haven't we? Uh, but no, we talked about it in the second episode. <laughs> <laughs> so are you saying our goals changed? I, I believe, you know, almost 80 episodes later, we've we've changed a little bit on that. Um, but also I don't think we have one. No. I, I think this is just a, a chance for us to to talk and hopefully create some entertainment value. But and then I was like, okay, well, there's no real goal. Is there truly an audience? And I started asking that question, and the answer would be no. I don't think so, because we have people that are work for carriers and agencies and non and vendors and all of that. So we don't have a specific audience, and so we're not going to do an opening because I don't know what to say during it. What What are you going to get out of this podcast? I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully, in half an hour to fifty three minutes of entertainment. <laughs> Wherever our episode ends on that week. <laughs> That's the other thing is that our episodes are all over the map, time-wise. Time-wise, subject-wise. I mean, we've talked about insurance agency stuff, insurance technology stuff, carrier stuff, stuff not at all related to insurance. <laughs> so we, we have been all over the board. If you were really going to make me put down on paper or in pixels what our goal for insurance happy hour would would be like what we were trying to accomplish i would say just entertainment i go for a frito-lay sponsorship <laughs> that's, that's my secret super secret personal goal for the podcast <laughs> frito-lay give us free shit <laughs> You want a lifetime supply of jalapeno Fritos, please. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. So. What do you so, got this week? What do I got this week? It is the end of auto insurance as we know it. It's the end. Wait, haven't we already had this title before? We may have, but this is a new uh, report that was put out just last month. Because mm. I, I even think I was a, it's the end of auto insurance as we know it, and we feel fine. Yes, that was our to- that was our tag. That was actually the the episode title. Well, I don't remember it. It must have been a oh, while ago. Yes, 
All right. So why is, why is auto insurance dead the second time? The second time. So this is a white paper from Majesco. Are you familiar with Majesco? Yeah, I am. Okay. So the whole, the whole premise of this white paper is that we need to rethink auto insurance from a transactional relationship to a mobility customer experience. Okay. The reason is there has been customer changes, obviously, market boundary changes, and technology changes that has that is impacting the way consumers want to buy and are buying auto insurance. Uh, Uber, back in February, shared that 10% of millennials in the United States who are users of Uber have changed their car ownership behavior. So having more transportation options is affecting whether or not people are buying cars, which ultimately affects whether or not they get car insurance. So, you know, we've talked before, I think, about that, haven't we? Mm-hmm. We have. But that's not the only thing applying pressure or threatening traditional auto insurance. So you obviously there's the um, changes in, in, in car ownership actually declining because it's actually started to decline. Uh, but there's the auto manufacturers and non-insurance providers offering insurance or embedding insurance in their journey. Uh, there's the rise of on-demand insurance, which I think with the pandemic is becoming even more of a thing rather than paying a flat premium, paying for your insurance as you actually drive your car. Yeah. I, again, you look at, you look at this market, you look at insurance as a whole and sure, you know, pay for you, pay per use, definitely can impact it. Then you have, sure, Uber is impacting it, but also Uber drivers still need to have insurance. So every Uber out there, every Lyft out there has insurance. And not only do they have, they have two insurance policies, one for being Uber, one for being their own personal vehicle. So as people still need transportation, they are still actually getting more uh, there's, there's more rides out there. There are people that are specifically purchasing leasing vehicles to do Uber and Lyft. And just, and really where I see it is a lot of Uber usage has actually not affected personal car insurance. Where Uber has transformed the way I operate and a lot of people that I know is that they no longer take a taxi. They because no longer become easier to use Uber. They no longer take a bus. And so that's where I see the impact being greater is it's going to affect mass transportation. It's going to affect, um, you know, traditional cab companies because it's really saying, okay, now the cab company doesn't have this overreaching umbrella policy and some of them are self-insured. 
So now it shifted those to drivers out in the world that need to have their own personal policy for their own cars. And I do know multiple Uber drivers that used to be taxi cab drivers who now lease their cars directly from Uber or uh, Hertz, Avis. They have programs for uh, rideshare people. And they bought cars specifically for doing Uber and Lyft. So the Uber and Lyft thing, I think that while it might decrease it a little bit, it's not going to be this massive impact. Well, I, you know, it's that's the point is not that's the only thing affecting it. It's, oh, I was going to pick all the, the other ones. I was going to pick a, a lot more apart on well, that we go, as well. well. But before we move off the the impact of Uber or Lyft and other rideshare on car ownership, I think you we have to mention that that's really only applies in urban centers. You get out in rural areas and there's not a lot of that happening. People are still need cars and buy cars. Correct. And that was going to be my next point, but thank you for taking (laughs) it. I needed more talk time. I don't have to talk this episode. This episode is brought to you by Becky. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's that's it. I, I disagree with that point because of A and B. Thank you. You're welcome. Next. (laughs) <laughs> What's next? So, but what about the auto manufacturers or other providers, the non-traditional providers starting to provide insurance like Tesla? Uh, it, it okay, it's 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 small, but also it doesn't mean that that's your only insurance and what's really and we've talked about this in another episode is that what if you have a Tesla and you have your old Ford pickup? You then you have two you don't get, you know, multi-car discounts. You get it. Don't get any of that. Tesla's not going to cover your Ford pickup. And Ford, you know, the the auto insurer that is insuring your Ford would also insure your Tesla. The reason Tesla really got into their self-insure was really more for the fact of um, that they want to provide OEM parts. And also a lot of traditional insurers were charging a premium for Tesla owners. But let's take it back to like GM. Whenever they were offering their program, and again, this has now gone away, the the Cadillac timeshare thing where you could just, you know, it it was an all-in Cadillac lease monthly. You just pay it and you get a Cadillac with insurance and everything. They were still, they were using NatGen. NatGen was their back end. So... And, and I know other insurance carriers are the back end of other manufacturers out there as well. So really, it's still the traditional. What they're trying to do is offset the agents. They, you know, the, the, the manufacturers other than Tesla are wanting this really just because they want to take agents out of the loop. But as long as they're, again, this is going back to offering choice is agents can offer not only multiple carriers, but they can cover all of your vehicles and all of your belongings from property to umbrella to boat to RV, whatever. But meanwhile, if you're getting it built into your your thing, that's, you know, then it's only insuring that one vehicle. So that kind of kicks that one out as well, because then you lose all the other discounts and, and convenience of having all in one place. Because also the other part of convenience all in one place is that 
the nice thing about having an insurance agent, especially an independent insurance agent, is yes, this works the same for captives, but it only works if the captive can cover all of it. You know, they, they can cover your car, your boat, your motorcycle, your RV, your house, your, you know, your umbrella policy, your personal articles policy, all of that. If they can c- handle them all under one roof, then fantastic. That doesn't really exist. So what you do is you use an independent insurance agent and they are that, they're that middleman. They, well, you have this policy with this one carrier, but that's the best price. You have this one policy that has the best coverage and they are the people that are helping control all the ins and outs. And so what this article is trying to say, and it's coming in, it's so funny whenever a lot of articles get written that I just, I don't agree with the point of view and I wonder why they're being written. And I think that it goes back to what's really happening to journalism and media today is it's, it's more about what is going to get us clicks. Well, this, this is actually a white paper that they surveyed consumers about some various things and put it into this, this one report. And they do say later in the report that the traditional purchase methods for auto insurance from agents and brokers or direct via an insurer's website are still the most preferred channels as compared to the other methods. And that's across all four generations. And that has been consistent for the last several years. But they do point out that Generation Z and millennials also indicate strong interest in insurance that's embedded in the purchase cost of a vehicle or buying insurance from the auto manufacturer's website or a car dealership or a car shopping website. Yeah, they, yes, they like to have the package. That makes total sense because they're probably living in apartments. They probably don't have a lot of assets. Generation Z is pretty young. Millennials is getting there. You guys are starting to, you know, actually show up on, you know, contributing to society. Oh, gee, thanks. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, don't you love being just on the cusp? So you get the shit, but you're you're really in my generation, but you get the shit for being a millennial. Yeah, basically. And what's, <laughs> what's so awesome is in this report they talk about millennials finally next year are going to be in the sweet spot for insurance. And I'm like, God damn it! Like I've been in that sweet spot for a, almost a decade now. But and, that's but I'm not. It's whatever. But think about it. Think about it as you as because you're you're at the very front end of it, but let's say 10 years ago, okay? Um, 10 years ago, you were just getting fr- getting a house. You're just getting together where you have multiple vehicles and you have life insurance and you start taking stock of your life and going, you know what? I have more to cover than, you know, just my car and my renter's policy. That's whenever you start doing that. And all of a sudden, sure, it's bundled with your Tesla, but the second you can go, well, hey, if I put them all together, I get it. Actually, it's actually cheaper if I do it all in one place. And yeah. and so it's just the the study is flawed because what it's doing is it's it's doing it from their purview, but they don't understand whenever they get more assets, when they have more stuff to protect, when they start having families, getting married, having kids, uh, you know, multiple vehicles in the household, all of a sudden. They're, they're going to go, you know what? I would rather have the convenience. While it's convenient to have it packaged in one policy, I would rather have the convenience of having it all with one provider. Yeah. It, what's the other part 
is they they said that the that Gen Z and millennials showed a strong interest in purchasing insurance from three of the tech giants. So people of my generation and younger are willing to buy insurance from Amazon or Google or Facebook. Because they want it, you know, whether or not it's it's all with an agent or not, they don't care. Is it is it part of us? It's a journey or an experience I'm already having that I don't have to do separate. That's what the younger generation wants. Wow. Younger generations are idiots. <laughs> I, I mean, like what it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I, I, I mean, okay, well then you want to buy your house on Amazon. Okay. You want to buy, you know, your food on Amazon, by the way, Amazon tried it. Didn't work out very well. And that's what, selling houses or food, food, not, I, I'm talking about like, you know, like to compete with like Uber eats and DoorDash and all of that. Mm, They've wound okay. that down because it's, it didn't work. No, you can't. It, that's just idiotic. I mean, you're not going to go to Facebook to purchase a car. It, it's just not going to happen. You, you don't see any consumerism truly happening outside of just advertisements on Facebook. You People don't go buy their cell phones on Facebook. They see an ad and they click off of Facebook. We have to remember that these platforms and even Amazon is an advertising platform because Amazon makes their most money on their cloud, but also they are advertising other people's stuff. That's the beauty of Amazon is that they are actually selling while it's on Amazon's website. If you look at the little, little text at the bottom, it's 90% of the time, it's not coming direct from Amazon. It's being sold by them, fulfilled by Amazon, or sent direct. In fact, Amazon's moving away from fulfillment directly in some cases because they don't want to store the stock, but they want to give They're an advertising platform. People miss that. Amazon.com is an advertising platform. And so them just wanting to have convenience of being able to flip and buy buy car insurance on the on the website? No, what we need is we need agents and carriers alike to advertise on those platforms and provide a really good easy process once they leave those platforms. I I mean next thing we're going to have is Snapchat Snapchat TikTok uh insurance, you know. I'm starting, I'm starting to feel like I'm in idiocracy. Everything these days is like that movie. That movie is a prophecy. Yeah, and we're the almost part there. about that movie. We're almost there. Yeah. I mean, every year I bust out my, I voted for, uh, Macho Camacho, uh, Gonzalez, whatever his name is from that. Uh, it's a great movie because it's, it, it's where we're going. It is, it is a good movie. It's also very, very scary. Yeah, and then you also the other one that's that's scary, but has the same stuff is uh, is Demolition Man of all Didn't things. See that one. Oh, that's the one. It was from it um, had Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, and Sandra Bullock. It's about how a guy got it, you know a criminal and a cop got frozen and t- frozen, and then awakened you know a hundred years later or whatever. But you know in that time generation, Taco Bell is considered a fine dining restaurant and. Oh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but 
to to that end, um, they you know it was no longer San Diego and Los Angeles; it was San Angeles because they grew together. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna one day someone's gonna have Snapchat, TikTok insurance, and it's just <laughs> I'm losing faith. <laughs> see, this is the thing that you can't you can't see with a podcast is that I, I actually physically put my head down on the mic for a second. It's like, I'm ashamed. His shoulders slumped. <laughs> he was just beaten down. You could, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Wait. So what else, what, what other insight, what other wonderful insights this, this study comes up with? Well, what, what is interesting is they don't mention, they said they did this, conducted this survey of consumers, but they don't mention any of the methodology or the demographics of the survey group. So I'm curious how many of these people and Generation Z and millennials are in urban centers? Is there, is there a good representation of geography, of residence types, in the demographics, because if the millennials and Gen Z are more focused in this urban centers, of course, that's what they're going to say. Correct. And, and right now there's a, you know, the, the latest trend is to go live in the country and, you know, you're having, you know, urban flight either to the suburbs or even, you know, out into the, out into the rural areas. It, I, you know, yeah, it's trendy to live downtown in New York City. And then all of a sudden, when you start making that big coin and they start taxing the crap out of you, all of a sudden you're like, eh, you know what? New Jersey's looking pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we're all working from home, you don't need to live near downtown to cut down on your commute. Well, that's, that's the thing is that if the, a lot of times it's based upon where your company is, not where you're actually, you're located. Mm -hmm. And New York has gotten that way because they actually track people down who work in New York, quote unquote, yet um, they live in Florida. So they're like, oh, well, I live in Florida, so I can't have this tax. And they're like, yeah, but your job is in, in New York and you're up there all the time. And so you know, with the losses in, in tax revenue that is going to come out of people working from home and the coronavirus and, and just all of this, man, we everybody's going to be seeing some uh, tax increases soon. Yeah. In the next probably couple of years, that's going to be happening. Yeah. And, and then, then people are going to start trying to figure out how to make their home office a home office. And then you could start deducting part of your house, but you need to have it as a company. And then you all of a sudden, you know, companies are going to say, why don't you just be a consultant for us, run your own company? Then you could deduct part of your house. And uh, they're just going to find lots of ways to get out of the taxes. And then they'll find new ways to tax everybody. Sorry. Not, not a fan of taxes. Just paid my taxes. I paid my, well, I had a refund, so. I did not. I and and did. you should never have a refund. You should always pay something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that zero interest bank account that the government has for you doesn't really do anything for you. Are you, are you also a CPA? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I stayed in a Holiday Inn Express and, uh, yesterday. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's the, the basic, the premise of, of the whole white paper is that the biggest threat to auto insurers right now is, is really comes down to viewing auto insurance as a policy transaction instead of looking at, at from a consumer experience standpoint. 
but okay. So the study's not saying anything new because we've been saying this for five or six years. Well, the, so you need to create an experience around owning insurance and it needs to be before, during, and after the sale that you have an experience with your, your transaction. So what, this is what they say. The broader mobility experience should be redefined as and includes. Okay. They, 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 they were, they were jam packing that title, but all yeah. right. Yeah. 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 The insurance product. Duh. Uh, a mobility policy, so one unified policy to cover whatever mode of transportation a consumer chooses instead of separate policies for each. Value-added services and continuous underwriting. A mobility policy. I kind of want to explore this. I want to unpack this a little bit. And yes, I know we started this episode talking about that we need to keep our episode link under 30 minutes as we roll over the clock at 28 minutes right now. Is that... What, what do they mean by mobility? Let's unpack that. They're, they're talking about the, a policy that follows you wherever you go in whatever mode of transportation you use. I, I guess it's, um, let me see if I can find it. Cause it's like a 37 page document. It's not some quick little. Okay. Cause, cause I mean, I, you got this policy is like, okay, well, you know, that kind of goes to usage based insurance, which I, I think is really the end game of the auto insurance world is usage based, you know, whenever it's, tracking and analyzing how you drive, how you spend, you know, how you drive, what, what are all the factors? And then what it's doing is it's calculating your risk based upon your factors. <clears throat> At that point, yeah, I, I, I could buy that's transformative, but having a policy that covers you whenever you go from an Uber to a, your vehicle, to a plane, to a, you know, a bus kind of sounds fishy because again, part of it is Part of it is actually the vehicle you're driving. So Swiss Re, in a 2019 report, defined digital ecosystems as the following. Extending the boundaries of value creation and insurance noted that ecosystems can be structured into broad clusters, such as home and stay and lifestyle on the B2C side and build slash produce and deliver on the B2B side. Within these clusters, finer grained domains can be defined like mobility or transport and logistics. Insurance fits within the risk mitigation component of most of these ecosystem domains, including mobility, healthcare, and housing. Okay. So really they're just they're just saying mobility, meaning any form of transportation you're choosing. As you're, it's not as you jump from method to method. It's like you you have that coverage out there. Got it. Understand. Yeah. So this insurance will play within these ecosystems rather than simply existing as an industry onto itself. This differs from today, where in order to get insurance, you have to use existing traditional insurance players. It represents the shift from inside out to outside in. Okay, good luck. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's not a simple thing that they're suggesting by any stretch. No, and you know, how many times have, you know, multiple times that we've talked about on the podcast is, you know, all of a sudden there's a new, you know, this insurance carrier is offering this new trendy way of doing insurance. What's that one, the wizard or ninja or something like that, that we, that I think all state put together that it was ninja insurance. Oh, that they, they had insurance ninjas. Was that toggle or something? Yeah. Toggle, toggle. Yes. How's toggle doing? Have you heard toggle lately? Uh, no, exactly. There's, there's a lot out there that 
you, you know, oh, let's have a special episode. Let's do this. Let's find a way. This is one of our lost episodes is, um, you know, where are they now? <laughs> oh, where we go back and revisit. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll be like VH1 that says, where are we now? Where are they now with toggle? Where are they now with Google compare? You know, <laughs> we never talked about Google compare. That was, that ended way before we started this. I know, but it would be, you know, it, it'd be kind of a, a, a highlight that there's a lot of really great ideas out there. The insurance graveyard. Correct. But in the end, insurance really, really comes down to simple factors. It is risk mitigation and luck. As you are trying to understand what the risk costs you, find ways to mitigate it. And in the end, for you to find profit is you have to be lucky. Because if all of a sudden all of your drivers crash all at once, you're unlucky and it's going to suck for you. If all of a sudden, you know, you have a whole bunch of really good drivers and they don't get in accidents and you just happen to have find all the good drivers out there, you're going to be a good luck. It's about pricing the cost to the risk. And no matter which way you slice and dice it, that is the case. Sure. Something like renter's insurance and lemonade, that's an arbitrage game. It's trying to sit there and say, you know, on average, that this is what it is because oh, lemonade's now more than renter's insurance. Did you I see saw, that? Yeah, I saw they, they're now offering puppy insurance, which is exactly the same. A little bit, a little bit different, but you pay into it, and they, you know, they pay out certain amount of claims, and then they have all these stipulations on paying out claims. The variability is much less in those markets than driving because the variability is you. We've talked. In, in real life about that I, I go go grab a, a soda from the store and I could die on the way to the store. There's you know, you could you could have a, a major accident, not your fault, and that's the end. So you should live every day like, you know, a, as you want. Be be as positive to the world as you can be, because you never know when when's gonna be your last day. But Again, it's all about risk. How every time we go, you go out of your house, that's a risk. Every time you get in your car, that's a risk. Get in a plane, risk. Go to the hospital, risk. Everything's got risk in it, and it's just risk mitigation and making sure that you're charging enough to cover the the losses. Cover and, more claims than you, you know, cover all your claims and still have a dollar left over. Correct, and that's insurance. That's how insurance has been from day one. And it's going to be how insurance works forever because insurance is not, you know, it's not UNICEF. It's not like, hey, pay in and get as much as you, you know, don't never, you don't have to pay in and you get as much out as you want. It's just not how it works. We have to get rid of this mindset that is just pervasive in the today's industry that we could, or not industry, but in the today's world that, we could just print more money. Like modern uh, monetary theory is, oh yeah, we'll just print off more money. We'll just allow inflation go off the, the rails. Countries have tried that and it has failed. So, it, you know, you can't get something for free. I didn't know we were going to get an economics lesson this, this week. Oh, well, there's one thing that's free. My opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, we got a history lesson. This week, we're getting an economics lesson. 
Yeah, talking about taxes and mon- modern monetary theory and all of that. So you're saying I'm a know-it-all, huh? Uh-huh. Or I'm a, I'm, I'm a thinks he knows it all and knows nothing? Is that a better explanation of Well, apparently of it? don't know it all because apparently you uh, don't know don't shit know about Mark. marketing. <laughs> well, it was an answer, it was an answer uh, to something you said on the podcast of why I hired you. I, I figured you were vague tweeting me. In that yes. Tweet. Yeah, it's because I don't. I did. I knew I didn't know that. So I'm happy to admit that I don't know it. And that's actually why I challenged you because I was sitting there going, "Hey, I, you know, I said what I thought was right, and I wanted you to prove me wrong, and you proved me wrong, and I still thought you're wrong. I still think you're wrong, and <laughs> perfectly fine. Because, because the the question. Do you remember what the question was? Social media and insurance agents. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. I remember. Specifically is Facebook. Because mm-hmm. Facebook, yep. the only thing Facebook's, you know, I, we've probably gotten a few sales off of Facebook, and I'm sure agents get a few sales off of Facebook. But I'll tell you the number one thing Facebook is used for is to bitch and complain. Oh, 100% agree. That's why I don't like it. So when you're on Facebook, yeah, that's going to be your channel for people to complain about you. But also it's about how you respond to it. Yeah, absolutely. So dear listeners, did you enjoy that economics lesson? (laughs) (laughs) What What do you think about auto insurance becoming a mobility experience? Hit us up on Twitter. I am Becky L. Schroeder. Laird is L. Ricks Ford. You can also tweet using the hashtag insurance happy hour. Or find us on LinkedIn. And subscribe, because apparently Laird's not going to jump in here. He's just going to let me talk. (laughs) I've got a a talk timer over here, and we're at 79% for Laird. So I need to bring that average down. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I didn't believe you. Uh, And subscribe, uh, again, if you have not already. Always a fun episode, so. But uh, look forward to talking next week, Becky. And as always, thanks for listening. So the few things that we walked into this episode to talk, trying to do is stay under 30 minutes, allow you to talk more. Don't allow Laird to go on a rant. We did a really good job, Becky. <laughs> are you saying we achieved all of our objectives? We, we are. We are three for three. <laughs> uh, you know, 
I think people expect it from us. So I'm okay with that. <laughs>